intrepid architects out there, if you believe design can change the world, then you've found your humans here on this show, Architecting. My name is Angela Mazzi, and I'm an architect and career coach who's figured out how to live my passion while claiming a successful architecture career and lifestyle. This show is about the architect as a person and will help you bypass all the status quo traps in our profession while teaching you how to make an impact in your career. We need to stand in our power as architects and use our skills to make great places. If you're with me, let's get architecting. Welcome to today's episode where we'll be exploring this idea of choices as ways we limit ourselves instead of giving ourselves more options. We'll explore how either-or thinking is actually an illusion and how we often polarize our thinking as an excuse to stay stuck in our comfort zone where it's nice and cozy. Busyness is just one more way that you choose to hold yourself back, and I will share with you examples from four real-life architects about ways that they were able to get beyond believing in the limits of choices they didn't have to make and instead move forward by creating boundaries that made space for a well-rounded life where they could invest time in their interests and actually get more work done better than when they were chained to their desks. So let's dive in. Hey, hey, architecting community. I have such a treat for you all today. I'm going to be sharing real life examples from actual architects who went into the sad zone all while thinking that they needed to endure some kind of compromise in their desire to do right by their career, by their families, whatever. These are common mistakes, and so many of us make them at different points in our career. But today, I'm going to show you how to fix them. So many times, I see people tragically feeling that they have to make hard choices between things that are of equal importance to them. Very seldom is that actually true. What is true is the fear of taking on something outside your comfort zone. We're afraid that's going to completely capsize the little rowboat on stormy seas that is our lives. And it's a common struggle. See, when our mind feels overloaded or stressed, it defaults to creating dichotomies. In this now super simplified version of life, everything becomes either this or that. And when we go into polarization mode like this, we get the advantage of letting ourselves off the hook and we stop having to try to wrestle with the messy complexity of being a nuanced human being. Things in our lives can then be defined as much by what they are as what they're not. I'll give you an example. Let's say you had a bad client meeting, so you walk away saying, I suck, and then that means I can't talk to my boss about a promotion or a raise. Now, you can see how that works. If you define yourself one way as someone who sucks and believe it's all or nothing, then you leave no room for anything else. Even worse, 
Since you're defining yourself as something you don't want, you're just bringing more of that energy in your life, and that becomes its own vicious cycle and self-fulfilling prophecy. The rewrite for this goes something like this. Oh, that meeting sucked. But what can I learn from it? And how does that lesson, that kernel of pure genius, translate to making me a more valuable employee, who in fact most certainly does deserve both a promotion and a raise. See how that works? Now, what's important about that shift is you get out of feeling like a martyr. The price that you pay when you live in that two-dimensional world of either and or is you end up suppressing your individuality, all because you're trying to filter out distractions so you can overcompensate for whatever you think you're bad at doing. If you found yourself saying no to things when you'd really like to say yes, or rationalizing away all the reasons you can't take an opportunity, let's debunk some of this thinking together. The examples you're going to hear are actual clients I have coached, although I did change their names to protect their privacy. All right, sad choice number one that we don't have to make is work or family. Anna Architect has decided she needs to work part-time because in her traditional Atlanta upbringing, her four kids are her primary responsibility and always have to come first. The collateral damage to Anna's career is that she never has a significant role on a project. In fact, she's often relegated to the role of draftsperson, even though she's better than that. On top of that, even though she's been working almost 12 years, she's only taken a couple of her licensing exams and is in danger of one of them expiring because she's been dawdling so long. And she's not happy about this. In fact, Anna is deeply unsatisfied. This is not what she envisioned for herself at all when she graduated with her architecture degree. Additionally, her boss has noticed that while she is smart and talented, she's languishing in her career because she has clearly put it on the back burner. They want her to step up, but Anna feels trapped by her family obligations and thinks she's never going to get ahead. Sound relatable? Let's turn it around. I have to say, this is a sensitive topic, and there's no judgment about your priorities. And I really always tell women, get in touch with what matters to you and make the choice that makes you feel good. But if your career is something you want to advance, you just cannot hide behind your family and shortchange your career. So often I see women especially do this because they tell themselves they're making that right choice by prioritizing their kids. But you know what? When you dig a little deeper, often they're secretly breathing a sigh of relief that they got to kick the can down the road for a while because they've turned parenthood into that all-or-nothing proposition. Instead, embrace the fact that there's many different styles of raising children and you get to divide your time between work and family in whatever proportions you desire. What your children need most is the example of a happy, fulfilled role model. So if you find yourself 
backing away from opportunities at work or not meeting career milestones. Look past the kids and straight into the mirror. Do you or do you not want this career? If you want it, you won't be fulfilled or truly happy unless you live it, right? What do you fear would happen if you were to really go for it? By embracing that you're an architect and a caretaker, you can chart a career path that matches both. And when you do that, you'll see how many alternatives really are out there for lightening your childcare load, as well as moving forward strategically. Some of the most innovative people I work with clock just 32 hours a week, but they do know how to make those hours count. So remember, you don't have to choose work or family. There can be an and there. Ready for the next example? This is a really common one too. Deadline or develop. Pascal was a rising star at her firm. She worked hard to get her license, wanted to advance in her career really quickly, super ambitious. In addition to her project management duties, she is also super active in the community. And she was so excited when she had the opportunity to chair a committee for her local AIA chapter. The trouble was, she never seemed to have the time to devote to the committee as one work demand after another rose up like whack-a-mole. And she felt guilty about this, like she wasn't really able to fulfill the commitment for that committee. So she resigned just six months in. And by doing that, she gave up an opportunity to really make a difference and to make a name for herself because this work was something she was really passionate about doing in the community. So how do we turn this around? Well, first of all, you got to stop using your projects and their deadlines as the reason to stunt your professional development. This is one of the most common casualties of this dichotomous thinking. Nobody ever looks back on their career and wishes they'd logged more hours at their desk. Instead, what they regret were the opportunities for growth and expansion they passed up to sit at said desk. And what they're not seeing is that hard work alone only makes you stale. Getting ahead is about getting things done, yes, but it's also about growing as an individual. You need to start creating boundaries for yourself and make it clear then your team understands when you're available and you won't have to feel guilty about the times that are blocked off on your calendar for professional development. Additionally, look for those opportunities to delegate and even ask for help when you need it. When you do that, you're showing leadership and it actually makes you more of a hero to your team than being the doormat ever could. Additionally, when you get out there in the community, get involved, cultivate your interests and passion, you bring fresh thinking, more expertise, and network connections back with you to the office. And that makes you all the more valuable to everyone that you work with. Hiding behind your work is one thing. Not being able to relax is yet another sad choice example. In this case, Matt does not understand how to choose between relaxation and rigor. He comes in early. He eats at his desk every day. 
and he usually takes his computer home on the weekends. He'll check his email constantly, even late at night, and always responds within a few minutes to just about anything you send him. His wife is completely irritated with him because when they go on vacations or they're doing things, his projects always seem to have some fire flare-up critical event that requires he stop doing whatever the relaxing fun activity is in order to pour his attention into the crisis. Now, Matt does feel the pressure of getting all the moving parts of the projects that he's managing in sync. And it just seems like no matter how prepared he tries to be, there's just always something happening that requires his attention. If anything, despite all his work, he's actually behind. He has invoices to review, proposals that need to be written, and he's always got some client issue that needs his attention. His firm would love to position him as a subject matter expert in his area of specialty, which is theater design, but he tends to back away from those opportunities because he doesn't feel like he has the luxury of putting the effort into writing an article or a speaker proposal for a conference. He does imagine there's some future tripping scenario that he will be caught up one day enough to have quality of life. Then he can coach his daughter's soccer team or fix that broken screen door or maybe even do some fun things for his own professional development at work. How do we turn this around? Because Matt is clearly overwhelmed and we see it, right? Well, deeply ingrained in all of us is this idea of working hard. And someone like Matt just really takes on the guilt and he believes that unless he's down for the struggle, he must not be doing it right. I've seen so many people sacrifice their health even just so they can cope with the stress of work. They'll eat poorly, they'll work late, they'll smoke, they'll swill coffee. And what they don't see is when they are that burned out and exhausted to the point that all they can do at the end of the day is collapse in front of the TV for a few hours before going to bed. And they're always on because they're constantly checking emails that they're really missing the point of why they're working in the first place. You can't ever be your creative best when you're in a rut this deep. And architecture is known to be a creative profession. So Work will always be there, know that. But the special moments of life, the opportunities to recharge, those won't be. Know that you can be diligent and carefree. Start making a commitment to yourself to limit the amount of hours you work, to designate digital free hours during evenings and weekends, and get a life, literally. So you may be noticing a little bit of a pattern here. Our last sad choice example from a real-life architect is Jules. And Jules did not know how to choose between playing it safe and going bold. He was afraid to leave his job. The pay was decent, he had work, and he felt secure about his place within the firm. But he didn't particularly love the way his boss played politics 
and he really wasn't sure there was any path to ownership open to him. But his youngest son needed braces, his oldest son heads to college in a few years, so why rock the boat? He figured he would just bide his time. He'd been so busy doing his job, he'd kind of let his network atrophy over the years anyway, and he really wasn't sure that any of the other firms in town would even want to hire him. Plus, since he worked at one of the more prestigious firms in town, he feared he might be taking a step down if he left. What if his wife's diabetes wouldn't be covered on a new employer's health plan? I mean, he just tormented himself with so many things. And it was staggering the amount of things that he found to worry about kept him shackled to a low-risk but low-reward job at a toxic firm that he really should have left years before. How do we turn this around, right? So many of us wonder, will the grass really be greener? Maybe I should play it safe. Maybe I'm better off to stay where I am. And the trick is to practice discernment. Often, we can feel like victims of our circumstances because we didn't enter them with the intent of getting the outcome we ended up getting. We start a job thinking that we're going to move up the ladder. We're going to grow as a professional. We're going to get more opportunities. And when it doesn't happen, we've waited it out and put so much of an investment of our time into being where we are that giving it up feels really scary. And we end up finding all the reasons why we can't make a change instead of focusing on all the ways that we could benefit from it. In addition, our self-esteem can really suffer when we are not getting the opportunities that we need or we're given excuses instead of good reasons or guidance and mentoring to move ahead. And as you could see in Jules' case, it really kind of messed with his head. He was not even confident that anyone would want to hire him. So how do we turn this around? We have got to remember that each of us has the sole responsibility for our happiness. And instead, we talk ourselves into staying in situations that have long stopped serving us. So instead, think of all the ways that taking a risk could actually promote your growth versus not taking it. And when you do that, you can see the discernment of, are you buying into a grass is always greener somewhere else myth? Or are you really taking a step towards claiming the career and the opportunities you want? Staying stuck and making excuses for it will only guarantee one thing, being stuck. All the security you think you have by staying stuck is really just an illusion because there are no guarantees in life. Work can pay well and be fulfilling. And see, the myth of having to choose can really hold you back. So can very polarized thinking that we get into when we believe that we always have to make a choice. Please stop believing in that all or nothing when it comes to your career and your life. The and is about ignoring supposed contradictions and instead embracing them to understand what they can reveal about you as a person. It's not about putting more on your plate, which a lot of people think when we say take a stand for the and. 
Instead, it's about realizing that these dichotomies you set up are completely arbitrary. They only exist because we choose to believe they are there. Instead, when you feel drawn to things that feel like they're mutually exclusive, take some time to think about why you feel that way. Our profession, even our culture, has many memes about expectations or how to behave, and they're not necessarily true. At best, they're someone else's formula for success, what worked for them. That's why I invite you to be proud of your contradictions instead of squashing the ones you don't feel fit with the person you should be. Embrace them. Don't view them as contradictions. And then discover what you can learn about yourself in the process. So to wrap up today, I want to invite you to think about an architect whose career you really admire. And I don't want you to try to make yourself a clone of them. That's not what our profession needs. What it needs, what the world needs from us as architects, is the essence of what made great architects great. And that is the fact that they had a unique voice built on their unique point of view, not their attempt to fit in. They were willing to stand out in the face of opposition, to defy contradictions, and willing to be heard no matter what. I want that for you too, and I know that it is possible. Embrace your contradictions. Start saying, how can I, instead of, I can't, and watch the magic happen. Thanks for being part of this episode of Architecting. If you enjoyed the show, join our community on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn to keep up with what's in the show pipeline, including a behind-the-scenes look at my architecture lifestyle. Feel free to share your content ideas. Love to hear your feedback. You can also visit architectingpodcast.com to download free career content and learn about my classes, book, and coaching programs. Until next time, stay inspired.